Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here this evening to cover 2009's Triangle. Um, but in typical fashion, as always, before we get into that, Chris, what have you been watching? Well, I have been watching things, not strictly horror, but I've been reading something. Mm. Oh, Empire now, of the Gods. Yeah. Now, this was given to me by a certain Mr. Lee over there. Hello. And you might be tempted to say this is not strictly horror either. It is sci-fi, but it's got some horror aspects. It definitely does. And There's I've got to say, usually. Yes, there is. There is. So the I'm going to go for everyone. it. Yeah. And I think I think this is very good. Now you just got to remind me. I'm sure you said something like you know the writer, or it's a friend of a friend. So my boss at work, uh, mm. I was discussing with another guy. Actually, we were talking about the new June movie, and he uh, just yeah. happened to walk into the office at the time, and he said, "My friend has just written his first novel, and it's a sci-fi uh-huh. book. It's available on Amazon." So I went and purchased it immediately. Um, yeah, and then read it in a few days yeah and was mm. really really impressed it was one of those he said it was his first novel and it was just a friend of a friend so i was like i wasn't yeah. expecting much, your expectations yeah yeah um uh, yeah and i was totally blown away by it. i really enjoyed it i thought it was really well written it, it is it's got enough sort of uh, references and the mixture of comedy with some brutal elements mm. uh, it's all there really and it's still an easy read um, i'm just going to read out a little bit because i think it deserves it so it's by benjamin nash it says at the end of the world it helps to have a sense of humor when flesh-eating insects appear in the cotswolds a week after the mysterious destruction of the pyramids of giza jack gibson and denzel reed's dreary team building week takes a deadly turn while fleeing the carnage with their boss, Lucy, they crash into a car containing an ancient artifact from beyond the stars, throwing them into the heart of an intergalactic rebellion. I'm just going to read out a couple of little bits to show you the, the brutality and the comedy. <laughs> the giant insects began flooding the men's bathroom like water overwhelming a sinking ship. I shouted at the officer to run, but it was too late. The creatures swarmed all over her, burrowing inside her ears, eyes and clothes. She screamed, allowing at least three to force their way down her throat, tearing her face apart in the process. The memory of it still haunts the dark corridors of mind, by which I mean it gives me a serious case of the willies. My survival instinct kicked in and I dragged a hyperventilating Denzel to his feet. And then a bit later on, I walked outside, closely followed by my new canine companion, to be confronted by Denzel standing next to the van. He was toting a rifle in one hand and a massive floppy dildo in the other. Ziggy increased his barking by several decibels as he advanced towards my best friend. Denzel didn't even flinch. He just nonchalantly threw the phallus through the air and cried, Fetch! Ziggy did what any self-respecting pooch would do when presented with something to chase and skidded off across the gravel in hot pursuit. What the hell are you doing with that thing? I asked. I couldn't find a stick, he replied. Not the cock, you more on the gun. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see, it's nice, uh, easy read. And yeah, it's each chapter is very compelling. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, the mixture of the, the action and comedy. It reminded me mm. quite a lot of the, the Rivers of London series. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, it kind of had that same sort of feel to it, uh, which, yeah, which I think I'm about four or five books into that series so mm. to give you an idea of how much I enjoyed them. I, I think he has just released another as well actually on Rivers of London. Yeah I, I think they're great but yeah and, and this kind of struck me the same way the action and everything's great the sci-fi is really good 
Yeah. Um, it isn't kind of over. It, it does that thing where it doesn't have to over explain everything. It's like this is the mm. world, and you know you're you seeing it through follow the, eyes the adventure. Of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, you yeah. you pick it up from circumstance and mm. mentions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Rather than it being too kind of backstory heavy, it just kind mm. of gets on with it. And yeah, and that's it, that's good world building. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah I'm I, really impressed. I'm glad that you've brought that up because, yeah, I very much enjoyed it too. So, uh, yeah, well done, Benjamin Nash. We want more of that, please. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is that everything you've been up to? I, I have also watched Memento, which I'm going to relate to a little bit of, of a triangle. Oh, okay. Yes. Cool. So, again, not, not, not horror, but, yeah, I'll, I'll mention it. It's, it. It kind of borders into psychological... Yeah, so horror. It's a bit. I. It would. It wouldn't be. It would have been a Hitchcock film back in the sixties. Mm. Memento, I think. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and watching it, I was thinking there aren't many films that have done essentially time travel because, from his perspective, it is time is completely messed up. That yeah. have done it so well with such a unique perspective, and then I watched Triangle, and I was like, oh. That's interesting. <laughs> well, that was why we, why I, I thought we should cover it. Adam and I have discussed mm. it previously and said it'd be a good film to cover. But when oh. we went to Horror on Sea and you said you love the time yes. travel, yeah. well, Adam is waving. I'm just going to say, swearing and spoilers. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Especially for Triangle. Before we mm, say well, anything, yeah, yeah, if you've definitely. not seen Triangle, we are going to have to spoil it to even talk about it. Mm. Yeah watch it if you trust us and have not seen it otherwise all we can say is it's called triangle yeah <laughs> it's it's called triangle and that it has yeah. people in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> excellent well done chris um adam what have you been watching um well i i mean this i'd almost forgotten that uh, it was when i was only when i was trying to remember earlier to write down what i'd been watching uh, I watched Blackenstein, which um, is obviously, well, regarded, well, not regarded, it is, uh, a cheap cash-in that was created after the success of Blackula, the mm. black vampire film, which genuinely is good. Yeah. And, yeah, I can honestly say in terms of cheap knockoff, this on a budgetary level, made Thanks Killing look like Avatar. <laughs> it really is low budget. But, and here's a really cool bit about it, the one thing that looks great is that they've um, they've hired the same props they used in the Universal Frankenstein. Like they wow. found them, they found them available in a prop house. So mm. the Frankenstein creation room is, I mean. It's not as good because they've hired the equipment, not the walls or anything like that. So it's still like sort of like really sort of just a big empty space somewhere, someone's garage or whatever. Um, but they've got all the all the right stuff uh, in there. So um, yeah, uh, just just a very fucking odd film. But <laughs> so, but again, again, I'm glad I've seen it. So yeah. Uh, and then uh, William Hurt uh, died in the week. Uh, so obviously RIP him, RIP Peter Bowles, who yeah. we saw in 
Legend of Hell House. Yeah. Because I'd, forgot, I'd almost forgotten that he, because I was like, Peter Powell's never done a horror film, but he's in that. Um, and um, also we lost Ron Pember the other week, who is not as well-known a name, but he's definitely a well-known face um, who's in just so much stuff. Yeah. He's basically who Alan Ford is now. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, Bricktop. Yeah, he's he's essentially that sort of... <laughs> Yeah, he, he used to fulfill that that kind of a role. But um yeah, so uh but I watched so I thought I'm gonna watch Altered States. And it's it's a Ken Russell film, so I know it's gonna have like literally hallucinogenic mentalness in it. Mm-hmm. Um but I'd actually and I'll I, I know this sounds weird because I because I'm a Ken Russell fan, but I'd actually forgotten that he's a very good director. Mm. In so much as, yeah, he does the visual stuff and things like that, but there's genuinely on the edge of your seat sort of bits where you're sort of like, you know, they're sort of chasing people, uh, chasing a creature through a uh, cellar at a university, and it's just sort of hanging around in the pipes and stuff like that, and it's all sort of, yeah, the way it's shot is really cool, but um, Mm. just to give you an idea, I, I I don't know if you've seen it, Lee. I'm not sure. I'm um, not, no. All oh, right. Well aware Chris, of it. And Chris, it. I take it you've not seen it. I haven't, no. No, but basically, well, you'll like this. Basically, the premise is um, William Hurt is a scientist who is using, uh, stu- doing studies into sensory deprivation. So he's using sensory deprivation tanks and stuff like that. Mm. But he finds a way of he just that was it yeah he basically goes on the um white intellectual quest and goes and patronizes some people in south america and basically gets ayahuasca and uh yeah he's so he goes and does a ritual with them and trips his fucking tits off Mm. uh so he decides what would be a really good idea is to take lots of this stuff and get in the isolation tank Mm. And basically begins to devolve <laughs> because he's sort of going back through because he's tripping, he's going back to the very source of humanity and stuff like that. And yeah, he basically devolves into yeah, a, a cave a cave creature and then a sort of big glowing electric slug. But um uh, genuinely, I think the the strangest thing I've got watching it is even like the music that was in it is so like the fly, like the Cronenberg version of the fly mm-hmm. that I almost feel that that's what Cronenberg had watched and sort of yeah. formulated his way of redoing the fly because it really has that same sort of feeling. Um, but it's definitely, uh, definitely worth watch. And like I say, you get it's there's, like 18 eyed goat Christ crucified and stuff like that. You know, you get lots of incredible stuff for the trip in balls sequences. Um, and, uh, and like I say, it's actually, you know, it's a really well shot horror film outside of, Oh, and it's got these fucking really trippy bits. Mm. So yeah, I do recommend altered States. Um, the only other thing I've been watching that's kind of horror-related is I've watched all of series three of Wellington Paranormal, oh. and still that show just 
goes from strength to strength. I think it's just so fucking good. Awesome. Um, that that's the one which is it's the two cops from the movie version of what we do in the shadows. You know, uh-huh. when they come round and it's like, well, what are you doing there? This this lot this guy's dead on the floor, drunk. You know, <laughs> does he want to lay there? No, he doesn't, does he? So come on, think 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 these things through, guys. Let's try and not make a mess. And um, yeah, it's them in their sort of own X Files. But yeah, um, series three, uh, very good. Mm. I'll and definitely have to watch that. I really enjoyed the first two seasons, the same as you did. Yeah. So yeah, I'd I think I, I think they I think they've actually just been. I don't know whether it's just been on or it's just coming on, but they've um, they've shot and are now showing series four as well in New Zealand. Fantastic. So yeah, but um, no, it's just such a fantastic show, and and it's I think certainly that and the series of what we do in the shadows are probably the best things out. Like you know, certainly in terms of horror comedy. You know, certainly on TV. I mean, it's such a few and far between thing anyway. But mm. it used to be you'd have the league dominating things uh, in that score. But yeah, it's um, no, it's just a fantastic show, and everyone should see it. Yeah, so right. there we go. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Um, I've caught up with a couple of movies, uh, both from twenty twenty one. So some nice modern fare, which isn't my normal viewing. I must admit. Um, so I caught up with a film called The Cursed. Uh, it's well, I saw it called The Cursed, uh, but it is also on IMDb as Eight for Silver. Sorry, um, eight. Eight for Silver. Eight for Silver. Oh, okay. um, so it stars Kelly Riley and Alastair Petrie, who's always great in everything he's in, um, and it is. It, it's funny because. <laughs> I didn't realise it's set in 19th century France because they're all British actors in it. Um, oh, right. Speaking very British. And it, it, it makes no difference to the story. Um, but, yeah, it's a really good tale. Uh, basically, a group of uh, Romany travellers move on to a piece of land owned by an aristocratic group, um, and they have some kind of a claim to the land. It's kind of implied. Um, so basically they hire some mercenaries because someone says, oh, if they go and threaten them, they'll all just move on. So when they go and threaten them and they don't move on, they just slaughter the lot. Uh, mm. And someone puts a curse on them. Uh, and ultimately it isn't too much of a giveaway because it's the cover of the uh, DVD. Uh, yes, <laughs> basically it's a uh, werewolf curse. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's- oh, I've, I've, sorry, I've just looked up Alistair Petrie. I now know who you mean. And yeah, he is fucking great yeah again it, again it's one of those people you don't know his name and every time you see him you go it's him he's brilliant in everything but yeah i didn't know his name if, until until this um, if you want to know how tragically things had got the other afternoon i was so bored i was compiling a list of british character actors who've played members of the galactic empire in star wars <laughs> and, and i was so and when i was going through it i was like why did they have him in the Rebels? That's so annoying. He would have yeah. been a fucking perfect like Star Destroyer captain. Oh, he's fantastic in uh, Utopia as well, the, the original. Oh, British yeah, such Utopia. Shit, man. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was a really good film. Uh, so lower budget, <coughs> but that didn't damage it in any way. Uh, the effects for the creatures, they get quite a bit of screen time 
and they hold up really well. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's really good. It was one of those sort of last minute finds. So I was like, ah, oh, not anything about it. I'll give it a go. It's got an interesting cover. Um, yeah, and and really enjoyed it. So that's definitely one to check out. Uh, also very low budget from twenty one. I watched Hellbender. Um, Hellbender has that got thingy in it? The one from Pompey Pool? No. Oh, so I'm thinking of something else. Sorry. Um, so basically it's a young girl and her mother and they live out in, in a, in a house kind of in the middle of, it's a, it's a modern house, but it's set aside from everyone out in the mountains. Uh, it's never, I don't think it's ever given any clear definition of where it is in the mountains. Um, but yeah, it's basically they're kept in and the daughter is kept away from everyone and is told that she's ill. Uh, right. but it later transpires that it isn't and basically uh it's I, I won't give anything away because it's definitely a film worth watching it's a slow burn and it's it's more psychological than anything um mm. but yeah it is a, a witchcraft you're selling it you're selling it well there so. yeah but it is a witchcraft like it's really cool. it's got some uh, some of the imagery in it is absolutely amazing uh, you'll love it adam it's really really good um cool but yeah yeah really good movie again another one I'd seen the cover around and was sort of interested. And I watched the trailer and I thought, well, I'll give it a go and see, but I've not really heard anyone talking about it. Yeah. And I was really impressed with it. So yeah, mm. definitely. Also I recommend. Uh, before we jump into triangle, quick bit of news I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. So Rob Zombie has come out talking about his Monsters remake and he yes. said it is going for a PG rating. <laughs> yes, I saw that, and which makes sense. Yeah. Because then you're doing the Monsters. Exactly. Mm. That, that was my concern, is that he was going to try and zombie it effectively. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that he hasn't and he is going... Um, and Cassandra Peterson, who plays Elvira, is going to be in it as well. Um, so the more of the cast that come out, it's looking more and more like it could be. A, so this could be his biggest hit ever. Oh, let's hope. Let's mm. hope. I've got good. I mean, I, I think it's, it, again, it's one of those things that I don't know if it would work remaking it. So I've got reservations from the off. But if somebody could get it going... I think Rob Zombie might be the person to do it. I imagine he could get the style. He would get a good style with it. Mm. You know, I mean, certainly from what I've seen of him, he's definitely got the ability. Also, he's got um, one of the cast is Sylvester McCoy, which has immediately warmed me to it, obviously. Oh, is he really? Um, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he's he's like, he's, I don't think, I don't know if he's called Igor, but he's basically, Grandpa has a lab assistant. Fantastic. Because, mm. um, um, yeah, the because I, I was thinking with it, like the same as you, Lee, because, I mean, obviously there was the Monsters Today, Ugh. which was f- fucking dreadful, <laughs> but had no right to be anything else. But I do think he will, you know, I, I think he recognises what the appeal of it is. And it's not to alter that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it doesn't sort of like, because weirdly enough, I mean, obviously, I mean, there are 
they started off as a cartoon anyway. Mm. Uh, but the uh, uh, like Adams, but the Adams family have obviously fared a lot better in this sort of thing where they've had, you know, sort of. I mean, I'm not that massive a fan, but the you know good movies, reasonably you know watchable yeah. films, the latest animated ones are pretty good as well. Yeah, I enjoyed those. You know, so. Yeah, it'd be nice for the monsters to sort of come back in into favour. Yeah. Funnily enough, it was something I was thinking the other day as I'm wondering if, uh, about showing it to Ted because I know there's mm. nothing in it, but he he knows who Frankenstein is and he knows Drac. You know, he knows the horror archetypes and stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, I just thought that might it might amuse him. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and, and as you say, it's uh, it, yeah. I mean, we grew up on them as, as kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's definitely helped instill those characters, I think, and and uh, you know, and, and played a part in us going back and watching the old thirties and forties movies, really. So, yeah, I yeah. think it's a, it's a, it is again, it's another good jumping off point, isn't it? Really, to to bring them in in such a family friendly environment, so you get comfortable with the characters and then move more into their their actual horror. Yeah, it's like stuff like the Groovy Ghoulies as well. It's, you know, where you love the Groovy Ghoulies. <laughs> But I think that, um, yeah, no, I, I think that, because what was the one you showed me, which was a pilot? Eddie Izzard was grandpa. Uh, so that was thirteen, thirteen Mockingbird Lane. That um, was it, yeah. So which they... tried to, to sort of make it, because I actually thought that was pretty reasonable, you know, it was a pretty good um, version. But that was someone trying to, I update it so it wasn't using the universal looks yeah. of the monsters but also to sort of bring in more horror elements or whatever like that and actually yeah I sort of I was pondering with whether Rob Zombie would do something the same but you know it looks like he's just going plain and simple with it yeah definitely that 1313 Mockingbird like, I was gutted when uh, after that pilot was ditched because I, I again like you I'd really enjoyed it and was looking forward to seeing more um, and because it had such high production values and everything, I didn't see how it could fail. But unfortunately, it didn't test well, and yeah, got sidelined. Yeah, I think it was. Just, yeah, it was just one of those things, wasn't it? Really, unfortunately. Yeah. It, but uh, yeah, I thought that had that really did have potential. And then again, saying that, I thought the same with uh, the first season of Cowboy Bebop. I've just watched the live action first season of that. Mm. So it Any was good? Really, really good. Yeah, and they've cancelled it before season mm. two. Yeah. Oh, what a terrible thing to do. Mind you, I was very pleased to see that they, because that was the one thing I did, because uh, I, I hadn't watched it, but I did. Uh, I watched up to the opening credits of the first episode because I was just like, what music are they using? Because obviously yeah. Cowboy Bebop, like the cartoon, and then it was just, oh, you're just using the music. Fair enough. Well done. Yeah. Well done, everyone. That's good. <laughs> Pass. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. So without further ado, as we say, we are going to go into spoiler territory because it's impossible not to. Uh, we had told Chris, literally, don't read anything. Don't look at anything. Just yeah. find the film and watch it. And uh, I'm glad I did. Yes, good. I'm glad to hear it. So what did you make Brilliant. of it? Well, yeah, yeah, as you correctly, you know, knew, um, I'd mentioned my love of time travel movies or movies that play with the idea of time. 
Um, and yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, Memento, which uh, it's, you said again, it's a spoiler for some people who haven't seen it, even though it's a fairly old movie now, but um, it feels like time travel is happening because of the way it's presented. And essentially from his perspective, he is reliving the same experience every day, except if he's got new notes, because obviously he's got, uh, is it anterograde amnesia? Yeah, I know he says it's not amnesia throughout, but um, but essentially he can't no, make like, new memories. Yeah, so he remembers everything from before an accident where he had a, a head trauma. Um, yeah, but so he can't remember anything new, and it, it's 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 a fascinating idea. I mean, for somebody that that happens to, you are just doing. It's, Chris, it's Christopher Nolan, isn't it? Melinda? It is. Yeah, yes, yeah. and I didn't realize. That. I mean, I saw it. I think when it first came out. Um, yeah, long, long time ago now, but yeah, and I had no idea though. Having seen his more recent movies, completely makes sense that he yeah. would have oh, yeah. on something yeah. like that. And and the way that it's shot, that you work your way backwards, but again, you're following his story and he's trying to piece together mm. his his life and you know the the people in it and you know from his perspective, who do you trust and, and so on. Yeah, it's it's a very complex. But I thought such a clever way to to play with that idea, How, like presenting that um, in a film, it's got to be very difficult to make it make sense. And equally with this, um, I mean, essentially yeah, to spoil this straight away, um, the, the way the time loops mm. um, and, and uh, no, so obviously I've, I've watched this once and I was so tempted to watch it again. I didn't actually watch it today, which I normally do. I watched it yesterday and mm-hmm. I, I was, if I had time, I would have liked to have watched some of it again because uh, I'm trying to remember. And again, I didn't want to look anything up. Um, I said to Lee, I looked up the name of the ship because I was trying to mm. think back to the uh, uh, essentially the story of Sisyphus, yeah, rolling the boulder up the hill and replaying mm. it, and and so so I'm kind of jumping around a bit here as I, I do, and especially with this as movie, we do, it's fine. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's but, true, yeah. But, but so so it, right, they tell you the name of the ship, which I have forgotten again, a- Aeolus, Aeolus, yeah. Right, they explain that about halfway through the film that that's the ship mm. they're on and the reason that it's called that, and so you know that that is happening, and and it seems like it's probably happening to Jess, um, because obviously there's something a bit strange about her. Yeah. But now what I can't remember is right every time she goes through the time loop, yeah, does it reveal? more about the previous one i couldn't remember if you knew what had happened to her son at the start i'm fairly certain you didn't Mm. right because that's sort of the point is you don't know i was like hold on when you see the very end i was like what Mm. did they what did they tell you at the start like it it was obviously meant to be a bit confusing yeah because you're trying to piece it together but it's the well the sort of implication is that by the time she's on the loop returning to the boat, yeah, that's when she loses her memory essentially. Um, and okay, then she yeah. rega- but then she regains it as she's going through, as she as it, yeah, okay. And there's notes added and stuff. See, but- I noticed that this time it's the point where she wakes up and she says. I had a horrible dream and the woman says to her, mm. what did you dream? And she said, I can't remember. Yeah, so I think okay. right. So I think her memory 
restarts when she falls asleep. And that's mm. when the loop, but th that was what I loved about this was the fact that you thought the loop was just from when she stepped yeah. onto the cruise ship and it kept mm. playing over yeah. and over. And then when she gets out of it, you're like, oh, thank God she's out of it. And then as soon as you realize that this is also the loop and she's coming it's back around yeah. again to restart, you're like, oh, no, it is, it's a loop. It's a multiple loops within a single large yeah. car. And it's so grueling. You feel awful. And, and, but, and the way it does reveal extra perspectives on each of the experiences yes. they're going through, uh, you know, it's, it's so well done. Like, it's, it is great. Um, because, yeah, just seeing that bit extra every time. But then the next loop is sort of coming and, like, how she can interact with them next. And then mm. seeing the one before, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. The, the curious thing is, is if you watch it from watching it from the start, there's one bit that's slightly out, but there's certain things such as she has got a noticeably heavy bag, a noticeably heavy. Okay, yeah. Jennifer said that bag. when she saw it, when she put the bag in the boat, she was like, "That's a very bad." That's, especially when she got, yeah. Like, why does she have that massive bag to get on the boat? But of course, yeah. Mm, that's yeah. why she didn't take the bag with her. So, so that's it. That's what I was trying to think. What were the clues that were you could have picked up on throughout? What I, I sorry, God. I don't know if you can. To be honest, I mm. think there's because I mean the history of this is for me is that Lee showed me this. And mm, okay. I am eternally fucking grateful because yeah. it's great. But I remember I remember being totally blown away by it sort of on first watch. Watching it this time round, obviously coming in from the point that I know what's happening and everything. Mm. It's actually really fascinating, like how like you say, there's this weird thing also where you, there's a weird thing where you get with it, which is when you realise that there's three Jesses on the ship at any one yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rather than, because you're used to time loops and stuff where people go back and meet themselves. They might, yeah, the one. But the fact this sort of crosses, th three mm. loops sort of cross, but like a spirograph rather than mm. three separate circles. It's like, yeah, some weird Venn diagram. Yeah, time. The, the complexity seems to just increase. Yeah, the one thing yeah. I did notice this time that I'd never noticed before, which again is I think was possibly the only clue up until that point, um, is obviously the the figure in the hood appears mm. over the balcony and fires the shotgun. Yeah, but then when she runs outside and fights that figure, it's her shoes. If you look down, the figure is in the boiler suit, but it's oh, they are in the shoes. shoes. And I hadn't spotted that, obviously, the first time. I, I watched this once and then immediately got Adam round at the weekend and showed Adam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't seen it again since. Mm. Yeah, and I spotted it this time, was when she gets out and fights her, as she falls down, you do see the character in the boiler well, suit. But, but watching it the first time through, I was thinking, why are they waiting? To like, what's the problem? You know, <laughs> why why would they wait for her? Is there something? Mm. Is something special about her? But I don't know what. And I'm focused on that, and it's like, oh yeah, well of course she'd be waiting because at that loop round, she's not a hundred percent sure that this is what yeah. she wants to do. It's like she's still piecing it all together herself. Yeah. Whereas I, you get the sense of the one in front knows almost everything. But yeah, I, I found a really good. I found a really good thing online. Mm. Um, 
which was triangle explained on oh, okay. astronomytrek.com. <laughs> it's a guy called James Miller. That sounds like someone who's going to be taking it pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, but he, he defines the characters as mean Jesse, learning mm. Jesse and clueless yeah, Jesse. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so, so you start the movie with clueless Jesse. Yeah who becomes learning Jesse mm. at the point that the original mean Jesse goes out. Mm. And then she becomes mean Jesse after tangling with learning Jesse yeah. off the one who yeah. just come aboard. And it's, yeah, it yeah, is quite, great. yeah, but it's sort of, it does help make a, uh, make a very good sense of it. And mm. actually, I mean, it's the thing I, the thing I, I completely forgot was how it's such a fucking tiny cast. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And, it, and thankfully, for a f- it doesn't shit about. Because mm. a lot of time loop stuff, I mean, there's certain things, I mean, you want, with time loop stuff, it's like, right, we get it, you want Groundhog Day. Mm. They're always much better once people are aware of the loop or aware of the, you, you know, or aware that something strange is happening with time. Mm. That always seems to be the, I, you know, rather than that being the be all and end all of the film. Because I think um, the director stated one of them, one of the influences was Dead of Night, but he said he wanted to explore it so it wasn't just how Dead of Night loops at the end. Yeah. Or indeed something like Ghost Stories. You know, where they put themselves in this sort of like eternal loop, eternal damnation sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Even Krampus mm-hmm. yeah. kind of does it as well. And yeah, but I think that this is, it's much more interesting that it's like, no, we're going to explore what the implications are of it rather than just, oh, so that's what's going on. Yeah. You know. So it's a mechanism rather than mm. the final stinger at the end. You kind of yeah. learn very early on that you're in a loop it's saying it's a, and then the final stinger of course is yeah is that that loop is taking place well, the, within the a larger loop big loop yeah yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. you assume the loop is the boat yeah you assume it's all you you almost assume that the boat's like the sh- hotel in the shining or something like that where it's like the that's it's the loop there yeah. yeah funny mm-hmm. you should say that did you notice <coughs> the cabin number when she yeah, went, there's a 237. There's there. the 237 <laughs> is the room that she goes into that's got go to the theatre written in blood on the mirror. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um yeah, I I thought I had spot, uh, spotted that in there. But I think that um yeah, it just oh it's I saw someone online had put this as um watch this if you liked primer but can't be bothered with all that math shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I was, I was going to mention Primer as another very good. I mean, Primer's impeccable, but it, it is. does, but it, <laughs> probably not to you so much, Chris, but certainly for me. No, no, I think that's hard that to follow. Section, I'm like, well, mm. this feels like every tech meeting I've been uh, well, at, work, oh, yeah. been at <laughs> work and not needed to be there. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was something I loved about it was just how. Yeah, real. They made that. Oh yeah, they, they weren't messing around. They were happy to bore <laughs> anyone who wasn't there for the ride. <laughs> so the other film, obviously, that that draws a lot, or that this drew a lot from, I'm sure, was Time Crimes. Um, 
Yeah. Which, funnily Even enough... Even the look. Yes, like exactly. The, the bandage figure in Time Crimes, yeah. That's what I like. This mm. almost feels like a remake, but mm. like a remake done right, where you've taken... I've said it over and over again. People shouldn't shop-for-shop shop remake films. You should mm. take no. a film... You should take its premise as a, a one-paragraph thing and completely rewrite it. And that's what this felt like, was time crimes done. And again, back to yeah. the, the way that we have these strange little synchronicities that take place. I mentioned to my brother last night, we were covering Triangle, and he said, I've just bought time crimes last week on Blu-ray. Because <laughs> nice. I've been watching 10 years, so. Yeah, no, time crimes is a fucking amazing film. That's a, that, I mean, that's another one. That's more sci-fi, but... It, um, that definitely could sit well on a horror show, but I mean, we'll have to wait a long time. It'd be a bit much to fucking yeah, <laughs> imagine that right, t- twice in a month. <laughs> yeah, and we did. And we did job dies at the end not long ago as well. So we've already like just been fucking with people at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the. The director is Christopher Smith, and he also did Severance, the mm. Danny Dyer, Andy Nyman film. Loved that film. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> now, is that uh, now I've, I've heard of it? So, is that did you mention it as in that's something that Danny Dyer did that you like? Yes, yeah, I kind yeah. of have a memory of, of that being said at some point. Okay, yeah, so no, that's that's, that's, that, a, that's a definite watch, is it? That sits in the pile with human traffic <laughs> and, <laughs> and is essentially the pile. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to add Severance to our ever-growing list of films that we totally yeah. need to cover. We haven't done a horror comedy for a little while, I don't think. I think we could be due for that, actually. Mm. Yeah. Well, we've. Uh, he also did the film Creep, which I would love to do on the show, because that is like the London Underground one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's one that just made such beautiful use of... Um, the London, like London Underground, as a setting for a horror film, because mm. I know we've got we've, we've got Deathline, we've got the sequence in American Werewolf, but genuinely, I think Creep's probably the best one mm. um, in terms of you know getting bang for your buck of London Underground. Yeah, but there's um, and actually that has a very that has a very similar thing that happened like in Triangle in that it does there's just a perfect shot in Creep, which is where uh, the main character's like come from the party and she's just sitting on the bench on the underground and she sort of leans back against the wall, closes her eyes, opens them and no one else is on the platform anymore and she's fallen asleep. But it just encompasses that perfect thing where you are sort of slightly slightly worse for where you go. So it's like, how could it's been three hours? What? Yeah. <laughs> I just closed my eyes. That's all I did. <laughs> But um, he also did, um, which I've still not seen, but he also did a film called Black Death with, I uh, uh, believe, Sean Bean, which is like a sort of medieval. Oh, I have seen that. Yes, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Probably not yeah. one to no, watch it's... during the pandemic. Um, Probably not, no. No, it's, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah again, it's really good. Good. Well, I say really good. I've never gone back and rewatched it. It can't have been that good. But I, I remember thinking yeah. it was better than it was received generally. Yeah. But yeah, so Christopher Smith's got a really good track record. I'll have to check because he has done some more stuff. He's done a film called Detour, 
a film called Get Santa. So, you know, I don't, I don't know whether they're... I think Detour might be another horror film or another sci-fi, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and this is the thing that I... Obviously, in terms of the cast, it's only really Melissa George and uh, Liam Hemsworth who are... Yeah, I noticed. I, no. I didn't know him. I hadn't heard of Liam Hemsworth before, I don't think. Are you but... Woody Harrelson, Chris? Uh... <laughs> Have you have you seen that? Sorry, no. oh, um, I'll I'll send it to you afterwards. But there's a if you Google it online, which is just Woody Harrelson, Liam Hemsworth, and you'll get on YouTube a clip of okay. it's Liam Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson are on like they're doing an interview for the Hunger Games, mm. and the interviewer mentions Chris Hemsworth, who is obviously Liam Hemsworth's right. brother. Yeah, yeah, and. But Woody Harrelson knows them both, but he's so in stone he doesn't know that they're brothers. <laughs> and it's just his realization. He's there going, You're what? You, you're brothers? <laughs> and it's sort of like, Yeah. It's like, Well, now you say it and the name. <laughs> and it, and well, you yeah. kind of look, you, and you look the same. <laughs> yeah, shit. And it's just this mob, because like Liam Hemsworth's in fits, because he's like, What didn't we tell you? And it's like, Well, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, when I was, as soon as I saw him in there, I was like, I recognise him, don't I? But not not exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but I thought this is quite an old film, but it's obviously not Chris Hemsworth. But yeah, so um, and then the uh, the other actor though, uh, and I just I've got the cast here somewhere. I've now lost it. Um, is it Michael Dorman? And I really felt like I'd seen him in several oh, other what, things. Uh, he was he's um, uh, Downey. Mm, mm. Uh, no, played Greg. Oh, Greg! Sorry, yes, the, yeah, I know who it was. He looks like yeah. the guy who played it. What's his name? Mm. Oh, um, <sighs> shit! I mean, this is a good podcast, isn't it? I know, <laughs> right? Horror podcast. We don't know the actor's name from it, but yeah. Oh um, fuck! Trouble is, I'm, tr- I'm going through the whole family. I'm like, what's his brother's name? What's his dad's name? Yeah, they've all got the same. They've all got the same fucking surname, but I can't think. What it is. <laughs> but <laughs> Bill Skarsgård, thank you. Well done, thank pleasure. you. <laughs> Skarsgård, that's it. For fuck's sake! <laughs> you thought he was Theon Greyjoy, but he had a penis, so he uh, does look a bit like mm. him as well. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah, he does look faces. like Alfie Allen. Yeah, see, I knew that one. Fuck his wine. Yeah, see, Melissa George as well in this. I, I mean, apart from this, the only other thing I've seen mm. her in really, I think, was 30 Days of Night, which, uh, yeah. again, an outstanding movie. Um, but, yeah, she's really good in this. I'm surprised she's yeah, yeah. so much more. Particularly. She's in Dark City. She mm. gets murdered in Dark City. Um, so she's not in it for long, but she's really good in it. And I have to say, Dark City is another film where it's like we were talking about horror and sci-fi crossing over. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. would argue we yeah. could do Dark City. Yeah, I would love to watch that again. Yeah, that is so, one that I have actually seen. Yeah, <laughs> um, she's also in. She's in Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. She's in The Limey. Um, but obviously, so she was. Um, I think she's doing a lot of uh, telly now because obviously she started off in Home and Away, that's sort of like where she was known. Yeah. And so you've got, sort of, but 
because the curious thing is, is that this is a British Australian co-production. Yeah, mm. I saw that at the beginning. I did, I was unaware of that. Yeah. Well, um, and that's the thing, because obviously, like Melissa Jules, Liam Hemsworth, I'm assuming other members of the cast as well, maybe are Australian. Mm. Apart, apart from the son in it, who obviously is South African, because it's Yolandi Vizzer, isn't it? Yeah. From the Amber. But um, I did one of my notes was that kid's haircut, and then, and then I was like, yeah, but he is driving a nuts. I get the impression <laughs> he was like, right, how can I fuck with this kid? I can give him the you worst thought that was haircut. Of cruelty. Yeah. Like all, all, all bowl haircuts are just an act of <laughs> act of child abuse. So, but yeah, so it's film. This was all filmed in Queensland in Australia, oh. standing in for Miami. But and this is a little fact that made my little heart sing, and I don't know why. Maybe I'm pathetic, <laughs> but um, but Queensland is known as the Sunshine State, same as Florida. Mm. So when she drives past a sign that says like "You're leaving the Sunshine State" or whatever it is, that's a real road sign. They didn't <laughs> have to do anything. So yeah, uh, I, but uh, yeah, it's so it's remarkable and. That's why I can't understand why the film's not bigger because it mm. is so clearly geared to an American market. Yeah. Because it's it has no reason to do that. You could equally do that as an Australian in Australia, because again, you know, it's the right climate, the right weather, and the story within itself doesn't need that. It just doesn't need a locale. Yeah. But yeah, it's just sort of yeah, so also, I'm, I suppose it's because it does put it near the Bermuda Triangle. I was going to say, I'm yeah. assuming the mm. name is linked to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, mm. But yeah. I just, but great, great idea, though, just calling it Triangle, not calling it Bermuda Triangle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or something well, obvious. Like, well, you go in with expectations obvious. that I don't think the movie would fulfill. Mm. Mm. Because, also, tri- Triangle is like um, conceptually like the three points of her. I thought that, yeah, the three yeah. of her on the boat as well. So it kind yes. of works for that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah the, the more, it, it's funny, the more I watch this film, I say this is the third time I've watched it, the mm. more I watch it, the more I appreciate it, I think, because it's, yeah. it's got such a great rewatchability, as Adam said, because once you come at it again mm. and you know well, what's going to happen. Well, that's why I really was hoping to try and watch it again yeah. before we talk. But yeah, no, I can completely see that. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a scene early on when they're, um, so when uh, Sally and Downey are heading to the theatre mm. and they say, they told us to meet them in the theatre. And I was like, that's a mistake. Nobody's told yeah. us to meet them in the theatre. And mm. then when it comes back to the second time around yeah. and she goes, and I'm like, oh no, she did tell them to go to the theatre. I was like, Oh, this is so clever. It just keeps wrapping itself further and further around mm. itself. It's amazing. To, to be honest, I think I I thought I'd miss something when that happened. Because it has been a very long time since I saw it. So I know I, I know what the mechanics You knew broadly are. what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. But mm. I ha- I haven't seen the it details for, for quite yeah. a long time. So yeah, those details. And I was like, oh, I must have missed that. Mm. I must have missed them messaging them in some way or whatever like that. Um but it's uh, so the other yeah. thing I I love was the the details that they put in that show this isn't she, although she's on the boat and there's three of her 
it hasn't just happened three times. So the stuff with the necklace and the, yeah. the woman and the seagulls where you suddenly mm. see hundreds of it and you know it's been going round and and then you're like, mm. there's nothing there's nothing she can do that she wouldn't have already tried and you feel the sort of hopelessness in it. And I, I think it's a really good way of depicting that and keep reminding yeah. you as well, the way those things keep coming back up again. Like I say, with the seagull at the end. And that's how she realizes as soon as she drops that mm. seagull over, yeah. sees a massive pile yeah. of dead seagulls. It's yeah, it's a real wake up call that she is just going back to the very beginning, and it's all just going to recur again, no matter what she does. It's oh yeah, mm. it gives it a real sense of uh, dread. Yeah, and actually, I remember that scene. That was the bit that I took away from the first viewing. Mm. Is the bit where it's just piles of dead Sally's, yeah, like at the yeah. very top of the ship, yeah, because it's such a weird, weird there's something enough, so surreal when that's yeah. revealed, but also, but also, you look at it from Sally's perspective, mm. yeah, of stumbling across yeah. like yourself dead hundreds of times is yeah. just fucking mind breaking. And even down to that, I love the sort of I love I love the internal like truth of it. Is I don't feel it ever gets, you know. Obviously, Jess is a special case because she's receiving notes from her previous selves and indications and stuff like that. But for everyone else, it's just we got on the boat and someone's trying to kill us. Yeah. So no one ever deviates from that logic like as a like in their way the characters react and stuff so the fact that like she's going to say no i'm going to get us out of this and it's all meant to be mm. reassuring she's just like just, just don't hurt me because yeah. it's like at this point she's just fucking broken you know and it's yeah. like no just please i don't know what is going on but i know you've been trying to kill me so please yeah. don't kill me and it's yeah it really it just, it's odd to say something feels really realistic. Yeah. <laughs> when it's so outlandish. But yeah. yeah that's it, what I was about to say. That's that's the other thing is Jesse's journey feels really, because the thing I had with time crimes was that the whole way through it, I kept shouting at it. And I was like, why are you doing that? Everything you yeah. did was wrong and, and annoyed me. Whereas with this, by the time you get to the third her, although what she's doing is awful, you kind of feel that in that situation, you can see how she got there. Mm. So, yeah, as you say, with the, the first her seems so innocent and the last her seems like a monster, but actually yeah. that's where she's been pushed to because it's the only way... The process makes think. complete sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But And it also, I think that's the thing, is that it also kind of... The ending where she goes back and essentially murders herself... Mm before anything happens is more to do with how she's fought to get back to her son, who she's clearly forgotten has died, mm -hmm. but then sees her treating uh, like mistreating her. Yeah. Child. Yeah. That it's almost like, no, you don't realize what you're doing. Yeah. And it, and because at yeah. this point she's just, she's just killed like loads of people anyway. So at that point, it's just, no, right, this is the next logical step is, no, we're snapping this out. You are no longer 
in charge of this life. I'm exerting myself back in here. Mm. I so, think that's why, that's why that that uh, seagull scene is such a punch in the gut because it's almost like a redemption story. Like she's come all the way around. She's like, right, because I've been outside of myself and I've been through all this, I am now going to be a better mother and I'm mm. going to be a better person. And the fact that you suddenly realise, no, you're not. You're just going back to the beginning. And you're going to do everything the same again and again. It's just- this is where I was. I was, yeah, I was like trying to understand that, right? Because trying to see it for the time and comparing it to the story that it comes from, the Greek myth, right? Yeah. Is the point of the Greek myth is to try and teach us, or most of those sort of myths and parables and you know stories, are to try and get us to realise those mistakes before we make them isn't it i mean certainly yes. that's that's how they always talk to us in church and in school so it's like look this happened to this person you don't want that to be you and i it's figured that it's, yeah, yeah yeah and i figured that's what they're doing essentially with this film is yeah you you get the sense of ah oh, relief great she's out of it no not really she needed to not make those mistakes in the first place and that's essentially what the film is trying to present to us is yeah don't, you know you don't want to make those mistakes. Once you've Obviously, made it, you're not it's going... too late to go. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes you might be able to redeem yourself in some way, but really, you know, sometimes you just can't and you may get stuck in a time loop. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, certainly like the, the the sort of Greek mythology element. So you've got the ships, the Aeolus, Aeolus yeah. uh, who is, uh, he's a god of wind. Hmm. And he that makes sense for the ship, yeah. He's the exactly, and also how they get suddenly there's out of nowhere because that's the thing. He, he, uh, where is it? Uh, he's the divine keeper of the winds and king of the Mm. floating island of Eolia, Mm. or yeah, Eolia, but anyway, um, and but and this this was just something that explained a moment in SpongeBob for me though, (laughs) is that. He has a bag that contains the devastating winds, mm. um, which you can use to propel yourself, which actually is <laughs> something that's given to SpongeBob in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. <laughs> um, anyway. And, that is but, good, actually, because, yeah, a, a cruise ship, a, a, someone who works in the industry, yeah. is like of a floating island, effectively. Mm. So yeah. it's a perfect modern representation of that, of that myth. Mm. In some versions of the myth, he is also the father of Sisyphus. It's not always the son. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Sisyphus was the king of Ephra, uh, which is now known as Corinth. Mm. And he was like, it, it was, his story was that he was very crafty and intelligent and outthought opponents and stuff. Um, and he twice cheats death. Um, he basically there's there's one where they send Thanatos or Thanos or I'm going to get confused between Marvel villainy and Greek (laughs) myth here Uh, thank you Stan Lee for completely fucking my classics education (laughs) Um, but um, basically he is sent to um, chain Sisyphus for eternity Mm. in Hades and Sisyphus basically says oh those chains are really good. Really good. Can you show me how they work? <laughs> like how, how the cuffs work and everything. And basically Thanos locks himself in the chains and Sisyphus just pisses off. <laughs> um, and then there's another one where 
um, just before his death, he tells he tells his wife that if she really loves him, when he's when he dies, throw my body into the town square like rubbish. And so she does that, but then he uses that as an example to the ferryman, uh, Charon, the ferryman who takes you across the river sticks. Mm. He uses that as a form of petition to say, look, my wife's, look at what, what, what my wife's done. I've got to go back and correct this. <laughs> and gets to return because it's meant to be that he was unloved by his wife. But obviously it was a thing he'd already set up with his wife. So, um, and the reason he was punished by it, he was uh, Zeus was it was Zeus who sentenced him to death, and uh, obviously in that circumstance, what Zeus says goes. Mm. And um, yeah, so he then, as that then that's the famous the, the the most famous part of it is that he then condemns him that he has to push the boulder uphill forever, yeah. uh, only for it to roll back down, and then he has to start again. And it's mm. that again, a eternal loop as punishment. Um, but I did see some people saying that the taxi driver is the ferryman. Mm. Okay, because because they the way they say it in the film is that it's just uh, Sisyphus cheated death. Yeah, uh, and then was forced to roll the boulder uphill for all eternity, etc. And um, so it's, uh, but the cab driver is meant to be uh, the ferryman. And she says, uh, when they get to the marine, like the harbour, he says, I'll keep the meter running. She says, I'll be right back. Yeah. But obviously she never is. Mm. Because she knows that she's going off to try and fix the loop to try and cheat death. But every time she just ends up back with him, mm. but every time she tries to evade that fate and essentially that's the, the only way she's going to get out of the loop is if she actually accepts, Oh no, I am dead. And yeah. So yeah, which is an interesting sort of variant on it. I would think. Yeah. Um, and also speaking of Greek, um, I, this time around, I noticed stuff like the uh, the marching band drum that's where after the car crash yeah. is the same as the drum kit on the ship. Yeah, uh, but it's an uh, A and O interlocked, and it's Alpha and Omega, which obviously is the tail either end of the Greek alphabet, and it represents beginning and end. Mm. Oh, so yeah. But um, yeah, there's so there's uh, also a lot of people have said about um, the rhyme of the ancient mariner, the Coleridge epic poem, um, where it's basically he, uh, the ancient mariner is on is on a ship. Uh, he shoots an albatross, and that famously is meant to bring you bad luck. The ship yeah. becomes becalmed. They all start starving to death. They come across a a, a hulk like a. Uh, abandoned ship on there is death and who's the other one it's death and nightmare life in death represented by a pale woman and death mm-hmm. is just a skeleton and they're playing dice for the souls of the uh the crew death wins all the souls except for the ancient mariner 
whose soul is won by nightmare life in death. And then he is cursed to watch the rest of the crew die. Mm. And then he has to spend the rest of the time wandering the earth, telling people where he went wrong and needed to be. Uh, like tr- Again, as a parable to try and avoid people sort of making the same mistakes that he did. Yeah. Um, and actually in that, at one point, the crew, to make to notify his guilt, the crew make make him wear the albatross around his neck, which is where that term comes from. Of, you know, it's like when someone says, oh, it's been like an albatross around my neck. It's like, yeah, just like a, a, a physical representation of guilt or, you know, a ill-judged move or whatever, a consequence. So, nice. you know, it's a fucking deep film. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is good because you can't have fairies in Channel Water. <laughs> and it's the, again I, I seem to remember because they squeeze so much into this film it feels like a much longer film than it is so when we sat down to watch it last night I was like it's only an hour and 39 minutes it was like I've seen it yeah. before they can't squeeze all of that in but yeah. it, again it doesn't feel rushed it's really well paced um, sort of throughout really so especially because yeah. it kind of does that trick but within its own logic and within its own story, but it kind of does that trick of something like, say, Pulp Fiction or uh, Trick or Treat of mm. interlocking the stories, mm. but it's actually the through process, but you see the story three times. Yeah. Mm. So actually the events aren't that long within the loop. Mm. It's, yeah. only, it's only Jess who experiences it to the full conclusion. Yeah, just the once through, but because you keep seeing her and remembering all the parts, you think you've seen it through three times, but you actually yeah. have. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's nice that there's. I was just saying, it's it's good that there's um, they don't use too many special effects in it, not sort of you know over the top obvious ones. So mm. it's gonna like it should hold its own for you know many more yeah. years and still be really watchable without anything glaring because it's I think to be honest I think probably I mean the ship doesn't look amazing but it's not it's yeah but it's, it's so not, like it's not to a point where you should give a shit no. yeah I mean I almost sort of thought you know because it's an old ship it that almost you know the style kind of all works together yeah oh I, I, mean, I, but, I just think like the I mean like just the ship, that exterior, like ship when it's, yeah okay. when it's the on the water yeah you can kind of see that that's like CGI but yeah it's 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 definitely not a it's not something that should take you out of it mm. now and the storm looks fantastic <coughs> I mean considering mm. you know it's the film's 13 years old as you say you do kind of have to give a bit of leeway sometimes to films of that age with CGI because it does look a bit ropey, but it, it looks really good. Even where, you know, where the sea goes insane and, you know, those mm. huge high mm. waves, it all looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't work out why this film isn't so much bigger than it is. I mean, as you it's... say, it should be one of those light memento. You shouldn't have to be a horror fan to appreciate mm. what an incredible film this is but it just seems to go under the radar i don't i can't work out why it's weird because it seemed to go under the radar with horror fans as much as like you say this feels like it should be a breakout like hereditary or something like that yeah. where it's like you know non-horror fans have seen it and want to see it mm-hmm. because they've heard about it like word of mouth but yeah it just didn't seem to 
because because it's weird because of the films that he did before, like Severance and stuff like that. You kind of feel that this should be, oh, welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, you know, and it just wasn't. And I, yeah, yeah I've not a inkling of why that didn't happen. The only reason I can think is, as you say, because it was a British and Australian production, maybe it didn't have the whole Hollywood machine behind it, getting people's, you know, getting people excited for it before it came out. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, everybody I know who's seen this is fascinated by it. So, yeah, I think think if enough people did see it, it'd get the acclaim it deserves. But for some Mm. reason, it's just kind of... What it needs is like a release, a, a big release on Netflix or something, just to get a whole new audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. We shall see if that happens or not. <laughs> I think one one last thing I would say is the music was by uh, Christian Henson, who's since gone on to do lots of stuff, including Inside Number Nine. Ooh. He has scored all series of Inside Number Nine, wow. which I didn't realise because they're so. Because the, the, they always make sure they're quite varied in style as much as mm. in story. I hadn't realised that it was, you know, initially I didn't realise it was a single composer who was doing it because I assumed you would probably, yeah. And the vocalist on it is Dot Allison. And for anyone who maybe frequented Tower Records in Camden, um, all I will say is, hmm. <laughs> No, it was, it was just, right, I'm going to explain it. I wasn't going to, I was just going to leave it there for people, but I feel I'm, I'm going to have to tell people now. Next to all the all the cards in the CD section were handwritten. Hmm. So, you know, like of the band names as you were going through and everything. And Dot Allison, someone obviously really fancied Dot Allison, so they put Dot Allison and, mm, like just <laughs> four M's, lowercase, like so, mm. so, yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, and actually, she is uh, married to Christian Henson, so mm. I, oh, I, I assume that was an easy call to make. Where it was like, <laughs> "If Henson are involved on this film, love, <laughs> do you?" <laughs> um, yes. So uh, again, uh, we did say before: if you haven't seen this, definitely watch it before listening to the episode. But for anyone who has stuck with it. Um, I think this film, as we say, lives up to rewatching anyway. So yeah, it, yeah, I would yeah. absolutely watch it again. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, and check out Time Crimes as well. It's yeah, it's it's a good film. I say the the only downside compared to this is I did find myself the whole time, at least every five minutes going, "Why are you doing that? That's the yeah. worst thing to do. Why? Why?" Whereas with this, I didn't get that at all. So this is a, a much better put together story, I think. Or maybe uh, Jesse's just less of a dick than the person to which it happens in time crime. Well, if I recall rightly, though, and I can't remember, isn't the bloke in time crime, doesn't it all kick off because he's trying to watch someone get changed through his binoculars? Uh, yes, I think it is, yeah. Like, so, so, yeah so he is a prick like, from the beginning, yeah. yeah we, we, a, haven't, we haven't had a perv for a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sounds like time to do it then, darling. Right. Hang on a minute. You saying that? I've got a feeling I know what our next film is. Oh. Oh. What is our next film? I am checking the calendar as we speak. 
Uh, yes, next film is Rosemary's Baby, so we're back Ooh, in Burp territory. We um, have, but yeah, as we said, we won't be discussing the Perv and his No, if you want, if you want to know more about that, you can go and listen to our oh, episode yeah. on. Um, oh shit, Ninth Game. Yes. 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 We've, so we have a lot of unhappy people who are made to watch that film, um, <laughs> and not, not just because of Roman Polanski, just because of the film. Um, <laughs> so I've just thought that is a bad review, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but do you know what? Every now and again, we have to cover something that we don't all like. Otherwise, it's just us all, uh, like we have this evening, just all. Everything we've discussed, we've discussed in a positive light. So it's good when sometimes we cover something when it's three people saying it's dog turd and uh, me arguing. So it's fine. Not not it's, about Roman Polanski, obviously, but uh, about the night. I game. think. Well, I think it's also um, you can't always, you know. I think we tend to sort of we tend to agree or certainly on, you know, we accepting of good points and stuff like that. Mm. But I can honestly say that this evening has just been, you know, what's that? Is it the line in, um, it's in South Park when they say about, uh, when they ring up the Mel Gibson hotline, which is run by Cartman. And it's like, I want to speak to Mel Gibson, please. And it's like, what makes you think he's here? Well, where is he then? Well, he's not here because if he was, I'd be on my knees licking his balls. And I think, <laughs> I think that's pretty much what we've done with Christopher Smith this evening. Yeah. So, so well done, sir. Yeah. Uh, um, but we definitely. I'm glad. I'm glad to see. I'd be glad to see Severance go on the list as well because I. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen that for a, 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 a good while now. No, nor have I. Again, it was another one of those, a bit like this. It was a film that I bought. It arrived midweek from Amazon. I watched it. Adam turned up on the Saturday. I was like, right, once you're through your first beer, we're putting this film on. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't think I've watched it again since either, so I'm definitely due for a rewatch. Um, but next week will be Rosemary's Baby, um, which we are covering following a discussion that Adam had with... Uh, the ladies over at Erie Essex. Yes, uh, yes. One of so whom, that is... one of whom I've been watching today. Actually, um, they we posted... back to time crimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't watching that through the windows with the binoculars. Um, oh, good. Uh, today there was a online witchcraft conference taking oh, place. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And although it isn't really a subject I keep up with. Because uh, a lot of it is is modern things that are going on with witchcraft. Uh, it was organised by Bethan from over at Erie mm. Essex, uh, or, or part organised with Bethan, um, and it is the folklore library. Uh, all the money is going yes. to them, uh, mm. and the uh, Sid Moore, who wrote the Essex Witch Museum books, was the first lecturer. So we bought our weekend ticket so that we could watch that and. Dipping oh, and nice. out throughout the weekend, and it's yeah, it's been yeah. really entertaining. But Bethan mm. has been writing down the Zoom questions as people ask them, and then doing the Q and A at the end. So, uh, oh, cool, excellent! It's, it's been really good. It's really entertaining. So, well, I would yeah, tell so, people so. to go and find out. But by the time I heard it, the last episode was already out, and now it's too late. So I apologise for that. Well, so yeah, so uh, Erie Essex requests Rosary's baby next episode. Mm. Woo. 
hopefully by then pollen count will have changed and I won't sound quite so much like I've eaten a pillow. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I keep uh, I keep bunging up and having to move around to keep my circulation going. Um, but uh, there you go. So now you all know about my snot. I'll let you all go. Thanks ever so much Yay. for listening. Good night. Night. Night.